Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. Sorry to disappoint you folks, but it's me. If y'all wanted him instead of me, you should have said something. I wouldn't have got ready for this morning then. All right, I can take a hand. I can take a hand. It does remind me to thank Bill for filling in for us last week. I heard he did a good job. And can we let Bill know that we appreciate him? We can appreciate him without making him pastor, okay? Come on. Give me a little notice at least. My heart is heavy this morning to share with you a word. Um, it's found in the book of Mark, chapter number 1. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. You ever just have a week where you just feel out of sorts? You keep looking down to see if you've got somebody else's shoes on or you've got them on the wrong feet. Uh, this morning, with the, the Lord's help, I'm going to share with you message entitled simply the desperation of distance Mark chapter 1 verse 40 it says and there came a leper to him beseeching him it means begging And kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I, I thank you, God, that you are a perfect God, and you use imperfect people. And God, I, I know that my heart is burdened to share what, what I believe you have put on my heart, and so... Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you as the real teacher, the real preacher here today. Do what you do so well. We give you absolute freedom to speak to us today. And Father, I take authority over every hindering spirit. I take authority over every distraction in the spirit. And I declare this word to be true, that 
it will not fail to accomplish what you have sent it to do. Amen. It's going to be glorious when we get to heaven. And all the incredible opportunities that are in front of us. We get to see the one who died for us. We're going to see his house and where he lives and, and what he's prepared for us. I think one of the, the joys is also going to be we're, we're going to get to meet some of these people in Scripture. Maybe, maybe you have a, a favorite person in Scripture you want to go meet. Anybody? Who, who would you say is your favorite person you want to go meet? How about yours? Paul? Oh, yeah. Moses? All right. Who else? Joshua? Did I hear an Esther? Esther. Esther? How about David? He's a little raw, but he's cool. There's a lot of... There's a lot of people that we read about in Scripture that are going to be interesting to get to know them, to get to... Just think, one evening you're going to go to Paul's house for dinner. Isn't that neat? You get to meet these people and find out they're real, just like you. They had strengths and weaknesses and passions. And I think even, even beyond those people that we, we, we can name their names, there's people like this guy. The woman at the well. Been married five times and divorced five times, and she's now living with a man. We, we don't know her name. And we don't know this guy's name. He, he isn't described to us. We don't know the color of his hair. We don't know how old he is. We don't know, is he married? Is he single? Is he divorced? Is he a grandpa? We, we, we don't know what he did for a living. We don't know who his parents are. For a book that makes sure that we know who begot who, begot who, begot who. We, we are told nothing about this person. All we're told about him is his issue. I don't know his name. And this week the Lord's been breaking my heart because... There's a lot of people in his body that they don't know who they are anymore. Their issue has become their identity. I remember when Life Changers came and, and I got to meet uh, Bill and Megan and but I, I was, I, I'm going to be open and honest. I've never told them this. I was a little concerned about the ministry because there were so many deliverance ministries like 
Alcoholics Anonymous that require the participants to declare that they're an alcoholic. And that's just bondage. That's, that's not their identity. And, and my, my real concern was when I first started to talk to them that if that's their theology, if they're a group that, you know, I'm an alcoholic, hi, my name is Mike, I'm an alcoholic, and, 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 and force these people to take on that identity, I'm not sure we're going to get along too well. Because you, you never get people free by lying to them. And they never get free by believing a lie. They're a child of God who has a problem with alcohol. They're not an alcoholic. Do you know the difference? You're, you're not a drug addict. You are a child of God that has a problem with drugs. You're not a sex addict. You're a pro- child of God who has a problem. You understand? You've got you to get that. You have to understand there's a world of difference. And, and, and we're, we're, we're being told about a man that we're not described anything about him except his issue. And I, I would to God that we in the church could get to the place that we could engage people beyond their issue. And, and we can see them for who they are and engage them for who they are. Amen? And engage them for who their father is. But we're only told that he's a leper. And... And he has issues. Anybody in here don't have any, doesn't have any issues? Are you sitting next to somebody who thinks they don't have issues? Put your hand down. You know, one of the, the untruths we have to change in the church is we think that God chose us in spite of our issues. And the reality is he chose us because of our issues. I, I, I didn't come into this room and in spite of it being dark, I turned on the lights. I came into this room this morning and because it was dark, I turned on the light. And I, I didn't turn on, it was cold when I got here this morning and I wanted to take a little bit of a bite out of the air and And so I turned on the furnace for a little while, not in spite of the cold, but because it was cold. And God did not choose you overlooking your faults and failures or your shortcomings or your issues. He he chose you because of those. There was a bush that was burning in the desert, and the Bible says that that bush wasn't consumed, and, and that bush spoke to Moses, and... told Moses, I am the great I am. And I want to tell you, if you ever really want to deepen your relationship with God, quit trying to impress him and own up to the I am not so he can be the I am. He, he is the light you know, if we turned these lights on outside in a brilliant sunshine, they'd make no difference. There, there'd be no need. I, those people that work with me know I'm kind of a fanatic. My, my family, you know, you go out of a room, you turn the light off. I left here one time, and one of the electric light things were 
on the outside light and it was on during the daytime. And I'm like, somebody fix this. There's a light shining where it doesn't need to be. God did not choose you in spite of your shortcoming. He chose you because of it. He, he, he saw a need in you and he is the great I am. And so, so whatever your need, that need is a void of something, then he's the I am that fills the void. You, you don't pour water into a full cup. So quit acting like a full cup when you're around God. Go ahead and just let him know. He knows anyhow. The Bible says that he seeks for truth in the inward parts of a man. Quit lying to God about how you got it all together. You're a mess. He's not going to use you when you quit being messy. He's going to use you because you're messy. He's not going to shun you because you have a need. He's going to come to you because you have a need. There are times and issues that you and I face that no man can help us. That's why he's the I am. You may be married to a, I wish I could, you may know somebody who would say, I tried. You may know people who say, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'm too busy. But God is none of those things. He is the I am. He's not the I was or the I will be. He's the I am. He is complete and full right now. It's not the great I do. He's the great I am. And we in the church need to get to the place where we quit put, putting people in slots based on what they do. Hi, what's your name? What's your name? Kelly, what do you do? See what I'm saying? What do you do? What do you do for a living? I meet somebody, what do you do? What do you do? What do you, what do, you do for a living? One, you, you know why we ask that? Because we're, we're, we, we want to put them in a slot somewhere. Okay? That, oh, that's the kind of person he is. That's who she is. Let me know what I'm talking about. We're not, we're not called to be sons and daughters of the great I do. Your identity is what's important to him. He doesn't look on the outward. He, he looks on the inward part of a man or a woman, and he looks at their heart. He knows what he fashioned them to be. And this leper, the plight of a leper, you go back into the book of Leviticus, starting about chapter number 3, you find that they didn't have a good life. The Lord told me this morning I'd be speaking to some people who are spiritual lepers this morning. They have a disease, and that disease first required that they wear rags. They were never allowed to put nice clothes on. They had to wear rags. 
that was assigned to everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm not right. I'm, I'm not whole. I'm diseased. They, they had to wear a covering over their mouth so that their breath wouldn't infect other people. If they ate out of a bowl, nobody could ever use that bowl but them. If they ever used a fork or a spoon, that became their fork or spoon because nobody could now use that. It was unclean. If they slept in a house, the house was unclean. And, and, and now, it, at the very least, it had to go through a long, involved purification process. But usually what happened is you marked it as a house where you don't go anymore because it's unclean. They weren't allowed to touch anybody. They weren't allowed to be touched. What a horrible life. And whenever they were out in public and, 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 and somebody got kind of close, they would have to speak out, unclean. Hey, hey, stay back. I'm unclean. They went to a gathering. They had to sit way back, away from everybody else. I'm unclean. I'm, something's wrong with me. They may put on a smile like people often do when they go to church. They put on a facade that everything is okay, but, okay, but inwardly, they're, they're a leper. There may be physical proximity, but there's a, a, a long distance between who, where they are and, and other people. Something's wrong with them. They wear it. How many know what I'm talking about? They, 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 they wear that. So here we have a, a man with no name coming to the man whose name is above every other name. Isn't that beautiful? Can I tell you that whatever your issue is, whatever name you put on your issue, there's a name greater than that. Whatever your issue is called, whatever your struggle's name is, I want you to know that there's a name greater than the name of your issue. There's a name greater than your struggle. But this, this leper, he... He, he broke all the rules. It was said that, go back in Leviticus to read it, that you had to stay 50 paces away from everybody else. 50 paces. I, I don't think our building's long enough, but let me try. 50 paces. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine. 32, 3. I get 35 or 36 paces. I, I got to stay five, 15 more steps beyond this back wall to the screen away from human beings 
And as a leper, that's how I spend my life. I got to stay this far away. My body is rotting. Good thing about it is it doesn't hurt anymore. It's, it's going numb. Parts of my body eventually will fall off, starting with my toes and my fingers. I don't know what it's like to sit down and eat a meal with somebody. I don't know what it's like to hold somebody. I don't know what it's like to be held. I don't know what it's like to be loved. I don't know what it's like to be hugged. I, I, I don't give out hugs. If anybody gets closer than that screen, I've got to say, hey, hey, unclean. I, I'm broken. Don't you see I'm messed up? My dad doesn't even get near me. My mom doesn't even get near me. My husband, my wife, my children. I sleep alone. I eat alone. I live alone. There are people in this building. You allow the enemy to convince you that you're a spiritual leper. It's just my plight. My issue is greater than my identity. My wife had a profound vision a number of years ago, and in the vision, the woman on the horseback didn't know who she was. There are people in this room, you don't know who you are. Your issue has become your identity. Let me tell you, when your issue becomes your identity, you can't ever fix the issue because that means you're going to go away. You get the deception? And so there's distance. There's a fear of intimacy because intimacy requires proximity. And you've been hurt. You've been doing wrong. You've been cheated on. You've been lied to. You've been promised and the promises were broken. You were done with in a way that you never deserved to be done with. And they've gone on with their life and there you sit with the issue. And that was the life of this leper. This, this no-name leper. Except one day, a man showed up. And he could tell there was something different. And so he broke all the rules. He decided he was going to close the distance between him and that one person. And so he started moving in that direction. Now, if Jesus were a modern-day prophet, he, his bodyguards would have got the leper by now. But the leper starts moving. I, I wonder when their eyes caught. I wonder what other people did. The Bible doesn't tell us what other people did because can I tell you something? It really doesn't matter what anybody else does or thinks. It's only about what does God say or do and think. And this guy made his way and he's getting closer and he's not yelling unclean. And you see, why, why is he getting closer? I, I think he's getting closer because 
You see, he has a daughter he wants to hold. Maybe he's got a son that he wants to pick up and put on his shoulders, and he hasn't done that. Maybe he wants to tuck his children in at night. Maybe he, he wants to make love to his wife. Maybe he wants to grab his dying mom or his dying father and hug him one more time. And, and the desperation that he feels because of the distance is driving him forward. And so he, he starts walking. And he's getting closer and nobody stops him. I could imagine maybe there were some people scattering because he had the leper clothes on. You know, he was one of those people, David. Listen, the church makes lepers out of all sorts of people. Come on. And he said, I just, the distance between me and that is no longer acceptable. And so he, he, he makes up the distance. And at some point, Jesus sees him. And, and the Bible says that he, 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 he got before Jesus and he begged him. And the, the wall... Listen to me for a moment. The wall that this man thought existed between him and his healing was not there. Listen to it again. If you will, you would make me clean. You can... You can almost see. I can feel the hurt in the heart of Jesus in that moment. If I will. Do you, do you think it's my, my desire you'd be like that? Come on, church. Whatever mess you're in right now, Whatever you struggle with right now, I want you to know it's not the will of your Father that you struggle with that. It, 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 it says here that, that Jesus being moved with compassion. Here's the funny thing about that word there, compassion. We don't have a perfect word to equal what the Greek word there was. Anybody here have an NIV Bible? It says indignant. It says Jesus being moved with indignation. King James says compassion. And here's why. It's translated one way, indignation, and one version version and, and compassion another is that neither one of them are wrong you have to get both of them to get the right word and what, what that word means is that that Jesus was moved with indignation and compassion because this this man somewhere in his heart believed that it was the will of God that he be like that 
And there are people here today that you, you believe it's the will of God because he, he made you that way with this struggle or this shortcoming. And the indignation that Jesus felt in that moment was, I, I can't believe you, you think I would do you that way. Mixed with a compassion with, I don't want you to stay that way. I've shared with you the story of the lady that, that we ran into in the store, and I, I looked down the aisle, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but, but, but she, was, she was trying to pick something off the shelf, and, and everything was, you know, she moved. Everything was, it was just, she was shaking, and it wasn't just nerves. There was something wrong. And, and the moment I saw her, I was moved, and my, instantly in my heart I thought, Father, that's not what you want for her to go through life like that. And this man, he, you see, the deception of the enemy is that, that first it was somebody else, but now it's God who wants me this way. Are you getting that? Listen, if you're here this morning and that's the barrier, I want to tell you something. Your Heavenly Father doesn't want that for you. And when that pain was done to you, when, when you were treated that way that, that caused this issue, the Father's heart is indignant towards that act. At the same time that he has compassion on you, he's indignant that somebody would treat his child that way. Do you see the full meaning of the word now? And so Jesus looks and says, it's almost like he's saying, if I will, I never wanted this to happen to you. Jesus said to Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have spread my wings and pulled you into me and protected you and covered you, but you wouldn't do it. I want you to know something now that that, that you're not in this mess because God wants you in this mess. You don't have this issue because God wants you to have this issue. That makes him our enemy. So I get frustrated sometimes when I hear people say, we need to bombard heaven with our prayers. We need to ask God to open up the windows of heaven. He opened them up 2,000 years ago. He tore the veil from the top of the bottom. And he said, whosoever will, come and dine. We're not waiting on God to open the windows of heaven. They're as open as they'll ever be. We don't need to bombard heaven. As if, come on, if enough of us speak, as if it's a protest march. Answer our prayers. Answer our prayers. Heaven isn't the problem. It was not the will of God that you were treated that way. It's not the will of God that you struggle with that thing right now. And it certainly isn't the will of God that your issue has become your identity. He says, will I? And then, listen to me for a moment. We, we don't know how long this guy had been a leper. Maybe a year, maybe 10, maybe 20, we don't know. 
Maybe, maybe he caught it as a child. We don't know. But do you realize since the moment he was diagnosed, he'd never been touched by another human being. Nobody had ever gotten any closer than 50 paces if the law was obeyed. And the Bible says that Jesus reached out and touched him. Can you imagine how that felt? He hadn't been touched. And this man is touching him. And the religious in their crowd are saying, Oh, even the law says that if the unclean touches the clean, the clean is now unclean. And Jesus said, but you've never seen clean like this clean. For everybody else, if you touch the unclean, you become unclean. But with Jesus, if the unclean touches him, it becomes clean. Do you get that? Enemy wants you to go away because you're unclean. Enemy doesn't want you talking to God because you failed him again. How many knows Jesus knows all things? I didn't read the story. I didn't think it was appropriate. But he delivers this man from the leprosy, and then he tells him, now listen, dude, don't, don't go tell anybody about this. I'm just paraphrasing. I got a crowd problem already. Don't go telling anybody about what I did for you. I'm just, 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 you know, obey the law. Go to, go to show it to the priests so that they can declare you unclean, clean now. And, but don't tell anybody else. And he says, "All right." And he runs into town, tells everybody. The whole town comes out, and the Bible says that he couldn't stay there now anymore. He had to leave. There's too many people. Now listen to me for a moment. You've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. How many knows Jesus knew he was going to do that? And yet, he healed them anyhow. Here's what you've got to take away from that. He delivered you and you went back. He touched you and you messed up again. I'm not talking about cheap grace, but I want to tell you, he knew you were going to mess up again. He knew you were going to go back. And when you come to him again, he'll deliver you again. He'll forgive you again. He'll heal you again. Why? Because he knows one of these times, it's going to click and you'll never go back again. So how many times do we have to forgive our brother? Seven times? Jesus said, let's just, you asked me the question as if it forever, how many times? Let's just narrow it down to today. Today, you've got to forgive him 490 times. And just like my mercies are new every morning, tomorrow he gets a fresh 490. You say, I'm, I'm condoning sin. I'm not condoning sin. I'm exalting grace. Where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. 
And the grace of God, over time, will change you. How many know the Mr. Rogers, the guy that did the children's program? Nobody wants to admit they ever watched it. You guys are goofy. Oh, Mr. Rogers. How many's ever seen the program? Stick your hand up. All right. He was pretty. If you're on Facebook, you know I already posted. He's one of the three heroes I have in life. He really is. My three heroes are. Martin Luther King Jr. I, I, I wish I had his ability to persuade people with words and to have the courage that he had. My second hero is Steve Irwin, the crocodile guy. His passion for life, his fearlessness. And Mr. Rogers, his kindness. had that show that reached out to children and he had just named some guy. He, he felt like he needed to have a police officer on the show and, and because of the issues at the time in our country with blacks being beaten by police officers and, and the racial issues we were having in the 60s, he felt like the police officer needed to be a black man. That's the reason behind it. So he he finds a stagehand who says, you're going you're gonna, to, I want you to be a policeman on my show. And the guy says, you know, I also sing. I don't want this to interfere with my singing. And he said, I won't let it interfere with your singing. So he, he let the policeman, the black man, be the policeman on his show. And at one point in time, Fred Rogers finds out the guy's gay. This is in the 60s, folks. That's leprosy. How do know what I'm saying? Fred Rogers didn't kick him off the show. Every day they did the show, that policeman got to hear Fred Rogers say, you're special and you are loved. One point... While recording the show, Fred Rogers says that to the police officer. And he just stares at Fred. And he said, you're saying that to me. And Fred says, I've been saying it to you for two years now. Said, yeah, but I, I heard you today. That's why God keeps forgiving. That's why he keeps wiping the slate clean. That's why he keeps standing you back up when you fall down. Because one of these days, you'll hear him. That black man went on to say that he never had a father in his life. He never had a man speak good to him. Never had a man treat him kindly or speak as if he had any value. He says that day... Fred Rogers became my surrogate father. I want to tell you, you have a heavenly father. 
who doesn't love you in spite of your difficulties or in spite of your issues. He loves you because of them. He sees that you're a dark room that needs light, and he said, I'm the light. He sees that you are unloved, and he says, I'm love. He sees that you're alone, and he says, I'm plenty. He sees that you feel like an orphan child, and he says, I'm your father. I am. You feel like you're alone, and he says, I will never leave you. You feel like he doesn't understand your feelings, he says, nor will I forsake you. That word forsake means to become emotionally detached. He is a God that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And so this leper without a name gets touched by Jesus. And he's made whole. Has God made anybody whole? Has God ever fixed anything in your life? And so, listen to me. As I try to close this, the desperation of distance. The enemy wants you to take your issue and go away. Are you hearing me? Down through the years, I'm not, I'm not criticizing, but I'm shedding light here. Down through the years, I've had people say, Pastor, I couldn't come to church today. I was just, just too messed up. That's like crawling out of the abbey and to say, sorry, I'm bleeding. I'll come to church when I get my act together. No, that's why you come to church. They that are whole don't need a physician. stand to your feet this morning. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.